0: You're listening to Software Unscripted. I'm your host, Richard Feldman. On today's episode, I'm talking with Ryan Haskell-Glatz, one of my coworkers at Vendor and author of the open-source Elm projects, Elm SPA, and Elm Land. We get into things like new user onboarding experiences, framework churn, and dynamics between authors and users in open-source communities. And now, growing programming communities. Ryan,
1: thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me.
0: So a question I've always been interested to ask people who get involved in sort of like community building, and you and I have both been involved in, I would say, like different eras of like Elm's community building, like me kind of more at the like very beginning and you kind of like sort of like the current like leading the charge, I would say. So one of the tools that you've built that I would say is like pretty important for community building is this Elmland tool. And I'm curious, how did you arrive at like, this this is the thing that I want to build to solve a problem that you see in the world?
1: Totally. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. It's exciting that it's like, oh yeah, this is a cool, cool essential tool. The <laughs> um, yeah, I. so I don't know. This might be a, a crazy tangent. We'll see how it goes. But when I first heard of Elm, it was, it was through the Let's Be Mainstream talk. This is Evan's, um, what was it?
0: Curry on Prague, I want to say.
1: Exactly. I think it was in 2015 he gave the talk. And I saw it, I think it was like September of 2016. I was a web developer uh, I was doing a lot of Vue.js. I had just sold my sold my company like, hey, we gotta use Vue.js, it's this great thing, like everyone should use it. Uh-huh. I used to check out Medium. I lived in the suburbs and I'd commute, so I used to, you know, pull out the Medium app to learn new things or see what's hmm. going on. And I saw this I saw this article that said, So you wanna be a functional programmer? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that means.
0: <laughs> do do I? <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe that's it. So I I read it and it was interesting. And there was a, you know, at the bottom, it said, oh, if you like this, check out Elm. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I went to, you know, part two. There was four parts to it. And I kept saying, no, 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 I don't care about Elm, you know, whatever. Just like, give me the content. And then I got to part four and there was, that was it. And I was like, I need more. So I finally clicked <laughs> the Elm link. And I went to the Elm, I think it was a Facebook page, some Elm Facebook group. Oh, that that shows how old it was.
0: Yeah, I didn't even know there was one of those. Yeah.
1: And there was a link to Let's Be Mainstream. And um, that talk really connected with me because I had never done functional programming before. I just knew the pain points of, you know, getting it wrong, <laughs> JavaScript every now and then and kind of like button my head up against stuff at work. And Evan had that, that the rainbow logo, the Elmland rainbow was taken from that talk that was like the happy place. Oh yeah,
0: I remember that. Yeah, on, on the graph. Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it was like the the whole he had a whole setup where he's like, "Hey, how do we get, you know, Haskell people to a place where it's easier to, you know, do functional programming?" He's like, "That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for how do we make it more reliable for JavaScript developers?" And I'm like, "Hey, that's me." <laughs> and uh I think that that really aligned me with the vision. So Elmland, I guess this was back in, you know, last year. I was like, "I really want to kind of return back to that that feeling of like this is really designed for to be really easy and approachable for people that are doing front-end development um and how do we get there mm-hmm. so so yeah when that project started it was like okay i need to really take a good look at how does react do stuff how does Vue do stuff how does spelt do stuff and can i can i make that learning curve a little bit more familiar for people
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, that's that's kind of how Elmland started. That was the inspiration for it.
0: So basically, just like kind of wanting to to take that feeling that you had back in 2015, watching Evan's talk, and sort of like turn it into a tool and and something that's like not just inspires people to try Elm, but like just helps them like it'll sort of achieve that goal of like you can get to this this wonderful land of like reliability and stuff, but like get up and running faster and easier.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, yeah, because I feel like in that space there's a lot of uh, I don't know if maybe dependency is a strong word, but if you're doing front-end development, there's a lot of tools that just you type a few letters in your terminal and like, oops, I have an application. Right. And so I feel like, you know, before I did Elm, I was, when I was using Vue, there was Nuxt.js. Mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, I can just build an app and it'll tell me how to organize things. And just kind of seem to streamline the, the process of like trying something out and like getting it up and running.
0: I think this is a really important point because so like Elm, like I've talked to Evan about this in the past. And like one of the things that that he really likes from like a teaching perspective is just, just to to sort of reassure people that, you know, you only need to just download the Elm executable and then you can just start with like a main.elm and just go from there. And that's all you need to get up and running. However, there's a lot of people for whom that's just not what they're used to. That's not the workflow that's like normal to them. They're used to like, no, I want like a CLI that's going to generate a bunch of stuff for me. And like, <laughs> I, wanna, I don't want to have to start from you know, hello world and plain text, no style sheets, you know, like just build everything up from scratch. Some people like that, but there's always been a bit of mismatch between the only early Elm experience that was available and what a lot of, especially JavaScript developers are used to and kind of looking for as a way to on-ramp. And what I love about your approach is that you still have the same sort of destination. Like you still end up getting the Elm experience. It's not like, you know, took Elm and like made it into something else. Mm-hmm. It's more that you're like, here is, you know, if this is the, the onboarding experience that you're used to and you're looking for, here it is. It's the same experience, but you're going to get to a much nicer destination once you go through that experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It, it reminds me, Evan gave his talk. I think it was on storytelling mm-hmm. where he was talking about, it's like radio versus television. At one point he was talking about like how television just takes away the work from having to like, you know, visualize Mm. what you're hearing. And I feel like Elmlands, it's like just giving you an app. It like takes away the work of like, oh, I can like do this. Oh, that means I could build, I could build GitHub or something. It's like, no, just show them GitHub. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, no, you don't have to do that extra step. But yeah, totally. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a great summary of it. Just like kind of making that a familiar experience. Yeah. What they might be used to. What
0: was the point which you were like, this is the missing piece. Was there some, cause like oftentimes I found that when I decide to like invest as much time into a tool as I'm sure you have into Elmland, there's some moment where there's kind of like a trigger where I'm like, okay, this, this, I want this to exist badly enough that I'm going to put a bunch of hours into it. Was, did you have a moment (laughs) like that? Or, or was it just kind of like, you know, eventually just like an accumulation of like hearing stories from people about where's X, but for Elm, you know, where's Nux for Elm or or something like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it, I think, this this goes back cuz before Elmland I was working on SPA, which was kind of um it was more focused on like the routing and like kind of scaffolding side of things and then I like maybe shelled out isn't the right word but I kind of shelled out the rest of the app building experience to like oh like go look up how to do Elm UI or go look up how to It's use out, out of scope. Well. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that's not my it's not my wheelhouse man. <laughs> but I felt like I feel like for a long time and You know, I guess to this day, the Elm community is a bunch of kind of independent contributors that build really focused libraries Mm -hmm. that are designed well enough that they can plug in together. Um, But the thing that I would see a lot in the Elm Slack or, you know, people asking is like, how do I build an app? Right. And that means like, how do I glue all this stuff together? Even in the LMSPA, you know, users channel in the Slack, they'd be like, hey, can I use Elm UI with this? Like the, the question, can I use it? Like not even like how it's like, is this even viable at like a, a base level? And Does I'm it like, work? Yeah. I feel like um, there was a moment where I was like, I think I just need to answer the, the high level question of how do I do it? Like, how do I make something real? And how do I build something? Mm-hmm. Cause there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of tools, like a lot of, in terms of like NPM comparison, <laughs> right, yeah. but there's a lot of like separate kind of projects and it's not clear um, to a newcomer necessarily, like how they're all supposed to kind of work together.
0: Right. But it wasn't just like an answer in the sense of like an FAQ entry, right? Where it's like, oh, the answer is like, yes, you could use UI with that. Go forth and, and do it. It's, it's more like, mm-hmm. here's an answer to the whole set of questions. And like, here's a starting point. It reminds me a little bit of, um, and I'm sure you've like, you know, this is on your radar. It was like create react app where like that was seemed like there was a similar motivation story there where there was a bunch of people saying like well reacts only designed to be responsible for rendering but there's all this other stuff that goes into making an app how do i glue all these pieces together and then create react app was like an answer to that and then you know you could like you know eject and whatever else and i haven't really kept up with the react world i don't know if that's like still a thing that people do or not but i I know that that was like that was originally like the motivation there or at least that's what i heard
1: totally yeah I, i saw a tweet recently someone Saying like, uh, like junior developers being like, what's a CRA? Like, <laughs> people like these days don't know what it is anymore.
0: So is it, has it fallen out of favor? I don't even know.
1: I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I haven't really been in the React ecosystem too much, but people, I think people are aware of it and they still kind of reference it as like a, a thing. They're, I mean, the JavaScript ecosystem's blown up. There's all these new frameworks. There's like solid, there's Astro, there's quick. There's like all these new things that kind of look like React, but work a little different.
0: It's good to know that some things never change. It felt like for a minute there there was going to be a consensus in the JavaScript ecosystem, <laughs> so I guess that didn't last long.
1: No, yeah, I, it's actually really cool to see like what's going on now because the frameworks are getting more nuanced. It feels like they're they're more. I've heard I've heard you talk about this on the podcast before of like things that try to convince you they're good for everything, and sure, and you yeah. kind of find out later on like that's not really true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you look at the projects coming out now, it's like the I, I've noticed two big changes since you know, 2015 or 2016 when I was like really in the space, which is the framework wars seem to have died down Hmm. or at least the strategy has changed where everyone's like polite online. (laughs) Maybe they're all like secretly at war. Okay, okay, yeah. Everyone seems very like reasonable and honest about like trade-offs. So like Ryan, I think Carniato, how you pronounce his last name he's the author of Solid.js, and he's like it's really fast here are the benchmarks it's for this yeah and like people you know making astro are like hey this is great for making websites and i i feel like i feel like there's more nuance now um which it feels like there always should have been for example elmland don't build a website with elmland it doesn't do <laughs> any ssr it doesn't do any ss seo that that's like not the focus like if you're trying to build like an app behind login like if you're if you're at you know if you're working at vendor, for example, like yeah. if you ever heard of that company, if you're working at, <laughs> if you're working at vendor, your apps behind the login, you don't need, you know, server side rendering on every page. Yeah. You just want a really nice, reliable experience for the customer um, and you want to be able to add features quick. Right. That's what is for. It's, you know, it's not for everything, but the web platform is so expansive that uh, it can be like a blurry line between those things sometimes. And I feel yeah. like there's a lot more nuance these days, which is which is great to see.
0: That's um yeah. That, that that framework wars comment takes me back to there was a conference this is like more than five years ago now i think and it was called framework summit and kind of the theme was like let's get all the like javascript frameworks together and, and like you know give people presentations about them and let people you know understand which one is for them and which one isn't for them and so forth so they also had this like creators day that was like the day before the presentations it was like me representing elm and like Tom Dale from Ember and uh, a- Andrew from React and um, some people whose names I'm forgetting for uh, from Vue.js and AngularJS. <laughs> and so basically we we all got together and just sort of talked about stuff that affected all of us, which is a pretty interesting discussion. And so there was kind of this spirit of like, okay, we're not really like competing. We're just kind of, you know, hanging out and like having fun and we're all kind of doing our own thing and have our own trade-offs. And, and you know, there's some commonalities and some differences. And so the next day, you know, the, the organizers had said like, okay, when everybody presents, you're sort of like, I forget how long it was. It was like a 15, 20 minute pitch for like, you know, your latest, latest version of your thing. Um, so I was talking about like, you know, here's the latest in Elm. Uh, and, uh, and he was like, you know, and, and please, the organizer was like, please don't, don't like, you know, hate on the other frameworks. You know, if you have to make comparisons, like be respectful and so mm-hmm. forth. And so everybody pretty much took this to heart, except at the very beginning of his Tom Dale from Ember stands up and he's like, all right, so, I'd like to welcome everybody to the Comedy Central roast of JavaScript frameworks and then proceeds to just like, just roast like all of the other frameworks.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. He started it off? Yeah. Oh, I don't think hilarious. his was the
0: first presentation, but that was how he started <laughs> off his, you know, comparison of Ember to them. Now, what, what's funny though, in retrospect, is that the dig that he had on Elm was he said, he's like, Elm is here. You know, really, really glad to see Elm represented. It's nice to see Elm here because it makes Ember look popular by comparison, <laughs> which. Maybe at the time was true but I actually don't think that's true anymore. I think it's it's probably the other way around. I think Elm has almost certainly at this point eclipsed Ember in terms of like current like present day use.
1: Interesting. Could be wrong. I have no idea. Yeah.
0: Based on like state of JS surveys and like I don't know if those you know are how indicative those are like on the one hand Maybe there's a lot of people using Ember apps that have been using them for so long that they just don't care to bother to like respond to state of JS because they're not interested in like the latest and you know, most cutting edge stuff. But then again, I also you know, know that like a lot of Elm people are just don't care about JS anymore. So it's like I moved on. And so who knows what percentage of Elm developers respond to state of JS. So yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of factors there, but it's interesting.
1: I'm one of the crazy ones that's like every state of JS, I'm like, get in there, I got to put Elm in there. It's, it's funny if you look at the last state of JS. It was like most write-ins Elm. Yeah. <laughs> just people just like, please include me on these lists. Uh, but it's it's fun.
0: I'm in the same boat in that like I used to look at state of JS like before I got into Elm, and then like since I got into Elm, like yeah, I, I still I just like kind of always want to make sure it's like yeah, you know, like just so you know,
1: <laughs> still around.
0: I'm not using JS anymore, but but FYI Elm. Yeah. And, and I'm sure some number of people do that. Like I always see on, on Elm Slack, somebody posts a link to state of JS every year to like, Hey, you know, don't forget that JavaScript people don't know we exist unless you know <laughs> we, we tell what we do. Totally. But it's weird because that's, it feels to me like state of JS for a lot of Elm programmers who are, who are like using it professionally, that's their main interaction with JavaScript anymore or the world of JavaScript. I and mean, maybe you do some like interop. And so that's how you like interact with JavaScript code, but it's like JS community and all the different frameworks and the solid JS and, you know, whatever the latest thing is, it's like, I, I hear about those things, you know, but it's, it's almost even like, as if I'm not plugged into the front end world at all, because so much of the front end world is just like JavaScript, you know, I don't want to say drama, but like, you know, JavaScript framework churn. <laughs> there's there's always so much like new stuff that seems like it's some tweak on the last thing. Whereas in the Elm community, I don't really get that sense. It seems like it's it's much more common that you'll have an existing thing that continues to evolve, like for example, Elm CSS, which like I started out and worked on for many years and kind of have not had time anymore cuz all of my well, first of all, <laughs> back when I had free time before I had a kid, <laughs> all of that time was going into rock and so i just like all of my non-rock things just kind of slid to the back burner by default <laughs> totally it's funny i was I was catching up with evan was this last year two years ago whatever I, at some point i was in copenhagen for a conference so i hung out with him and Teresa, and we caught up about various things and i i was commenting on how like i don't really like have time to maintain a lot of my elm projects anymore because i just every weekend i'm like this weekend i'm gonna like go through prs on this thing and then by the end of the weekend, I would have done a bunch of rock stuff. And I was like, and I still have more rock stuff to do, but I didn't even get to any of the Elm stuff. All right, next weekend, next weekend. And then that would just keep happening. And I was I was joking to Evan. I was like, yeah, it turns out like making a programming language is really, really time consuming. Does that sound? They just laughed. It's like, Yeah. <laughs>
1: turns out. Tell me about it.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that's a universal thing. I mean, I guess like if you're making a a toy language that's like just for you and like just a hobby thing, then that's that's one thing. But if you're like trying to make something that other people Mm -hmm. are actually going to use like professionally, it's like kind of a yeah, there's a lot there. But I I was thinking about this in the context of this sort of like framework churn in the JavaScript ecosystem. I would never use the word churn to describe what happens in the Elm package ecosystem. And like in the Elm CSS case, it's like, okay, I'm not working on that actively anymore. But there's there's a longtime contributor who had been working on this sort of like Big performance-oriented under-the-hood rewrite that I'd gotten started and never got all the way through. He just was like, Hey, can is it cool if I like fork this and like continue that work? And I was like, Yes, please do that. That's awesome. Because Mm -hmm. it's not like you're redoing the whole thing. Like, fingers crossed, I would love to see him finish that because and publish it. Because if he can actually make it across the finish line, it should feel like using the most recent release of the Elm CSS that I built up, but it should run way faster, which in my mind is, is just like awesome. If you can get something where it's like this is already the experience that people want and are happy with but it runs way faster that's an amazing way to like evolve something totally whereas the like well we redid everything from scratch but it was you know you use that description of like it's kind of like react but with a twist or like a little bit different i'm really glad we don't we don't see that happening in the elm community
1: yeah i feel like every now and then we'll get in the elm slack there'll be there'll be something new new will come out in the react space and i'll see someone like oh like how how can we do like hooks in elm or like how do we asphalt doesn't do virtual dom like how do we do elm without virtual dom and like uh, i see posts like that but yeah i don't think they get too much traction but i feel like it kind of uh huh it's there i think there's a, just a general anxiety of just like if we're not doing the latest thing like is is are we dead <laughs> something you know there's like that kind of energy to it.
0: So I'm glad you brought that up because I, I the way that I've seen those discussions typically go on Elm Slack is someone <laughs> will post that and then two or three people will respond like, no, everything's cool. Yeah. Do true. we need to create a problem here? <laughs> like, like we're good. Like, what's, what's the actual problem we're trying to solve here? Is it just FOMO? Like, what's the user experience problem that, that we have here? And then like, let's figure out a solution to that. Is there a user experience problem here? Or is this just like mm-hmm. someone else is doing X? Shouldn't we be doing X? It's like, no. And, and I think that's, and maybe I'm being dismissive here, but it feels like a cultural carryover from JavaScript because that's totally a cultural norm in the, in the JavaScript community is just like, yeah. oh man, like X came out, like shouldn't we be doing X? And and there's just like kind of this, like this constant magnetic pull towards the latest shiny thing. And there's almost like a, I mean, at least among people who've been around the community mm-hmm. long enough, like an element seems like there's, a, there's a, an instinctive resistance to that where it's like any time, like the, the XY problem is the classic example of this where it's like, and people are always citing that and linking. I think it's like what is it, xyproblem.info or something is the link.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's where I learned about XY Problem. It was I think Elm Slack <laughs> educated me.
0: Yeah, it's, it's Elm, yeah, me too. I, I'd never heard of it before Elm. But yeah, it's like this for those who aren't familiar, it's it's this idea of like, you know, you say, like hooks, let's use that as an example. You come in saying, like, hey, you know, how does Elm do hooks? And you say, well, hang on, let's let's take a step back and ask like what's the real problem here? Like, what's the direct problem? Like, we're starting to work on a solution and we have a question about the solution, but let's step let's step all the way back and see, like, what's the immediate problem? What's the pain point that we're trying to solve? And then we can talk about solutions kind of from scratch. And maybe we'll end up going down the same road that this solution is, like, presupposing, but maybe not. Maybe it'll turn out that there's actually a better category of solution here. And hooks are an interesting example because... I remember when when hooks and suspense were announced, which I think might have been the same talk or it might have been different talks. I don't remember. Um, But I remember hearing about them and I was at that point like very into Elm and like has really had not been spending any time with React in a while, like months or years. Um, And I remember hearing it and I was like, I don't understand what problem this is solving. If you're not like Facebook, if you're like literally Facebook and you have like a gazillion different widgets on the screen and, and, you know, they're all like, you know, customizable in different ways. And some of them need to be like real time, like chat, but then others don't need to be like the newsfeed. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, if you're literally Facebook, I can see how this might be solving a practical problem. But if you're not literally Facebook and there's like 99.9% of, you know, that's, okay, that's a huge <laughs> underestimate. Basically everyone else. Like, like what, why, why are people excited about this? And it felt to me like an X, Y problem example where it's like, you know, yeah, you can see getting excited about it, you know, for the sake of, oh, it's a new shiny thing at that conceptually. But I always try to resist that. Like I I try to, I think of that as like an anti-pattern and not a good reason to get excited about something as opposed to like, if if hooks are like, Hey, we're going to solve this, this problem that you have right now, then okay, cool. But I don't even know what that problem would have been in that case. If I were a React developer, I mean, which I used to be. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I remember, yeah, when Hooks came out, kind of trying to do my research and trying to figure out like what problems they solved. Because again, like like you said, like I, I was also kind of in Elm at this time. So I almost feel silly talking about it. <laughs> i have like, no basis
0: <laughs> yeah right we're, we're, we're two people who have never used the feature don't really know what we're talking about but i mean hey it's it's not programming unless you're like pontificating about something you don't actually have personal experience with right <laughs> yeah.
1: but um i just remember yeah i remember looking around because the announcement, you know, at least I, I didn't wrap my head around it i don't know if it was yeah if it was unclear if it was just me but um yeah someone reached out to me when i was in the early days of elmland like hey like maybe elmland could do hooks um And, you know, I feel like there was that knee reaction, the knee jerk reaction, being an Elm person be like, whoa, 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 like what? Like, stop. I was like, can you show me what that looks like? Like, what do you, I I need like a concrete example, like kind of like what you're saying where it's like, all right, show me like, for me, it was like, first of all, show me what that even syntactically looks like on a page. And then once I saw it, it was a lot easier for me to kind of have like more of a concrete conversation and say like, okay, so like, is this. Is it like boilerplate is that like what's the what's the fear here um and it wasn't it wasn't really clear, yeah, the benefit it,
0: specifically for and Apple. I remember like now recalling this a little bit more precisely, and I think suspense was the thing that I was like this is this is Facebook specific, and hooks, if I'm remembering this right, I guess the pitch for hooks was like you know you used to make like class components and then class components would have these like life cycle methods that would be like you know component will mount or like did mount or you know should potentially theoretically mount or something like that. And you know they had these like really long names and then you had to, you know, sort of be aware of the different like stages of Rea- like how react mounts and unmounts components and so forth. And then hooks were, I guess part of the pitch was you can write a quote unquote functional component where it's just a function instead of a class. And then you can call these hook things from within inside of it and accomplish the same things. But what I didn't understand oh. about the pitch was this seemed like a more complicated way to solve this. Like, it seemed like the old way was like more declarative. And there was all these like rules about like when you could call the hooks things. And I, I guess they ended up evolving like linter rules to help you enforce them. Whereas it's like, but before you didn't need any of that, you just wrote a class. And like, and so I didn't understand like, what, what's the actual like compelling thing that's being solved. And I'm sure someone, you know, if we had a somebody on the, you know, in the conversation who was like really like, uh you know, up on react and like, like really enjoyed it, maybe somebody could make a really great pitch for hooks. So if you know anybody, anyone's listening who knows someone who can make a great pitch for React Hooks, I would love to talk to them about it on the podcast. However, in the absence of that, I just didn't really understand like why this is an upgrade. You know, it's like I see that it's different and I see that like, okay, you want to use these like pure functional component style because and honestly, that felt like an element of like classes aren't cool anymore and functions are cool. So like, let's find a way to package these things up as functions. But like reason that I like functions is that they're simpler. And so if you're going to, like, make these secret side effects, which we're going to not call side effects, because even though, you know, you call your render function, and now if you call it multiple times with the same arguments, it's not just going to return the same value. I mean, it's clearly not a pure function anymore. But apparently they still call it, like, pretend it's a pure function. I don't know. Like, there's just so many confusing things about that.
1: It's still a JavaScript function. We're (laughs) live in outer space, you and I. Like, we're in this, like, different world. So when we see stuff like this, it's like, what is going on? Like, why are are they changing things when they call the thing? I am 100% convinced that Hooks was just, like, because you've seen the JavaScript, like, the different ways you can declare a function. There's, like, the the boring old way, and then there's the cool arrow way. And, like, the this keyword just completely changes how it works. I 100% would acknowledge, if anyone is, like, a React listener here right now, like, they just, I've used the this keyword enough to respect the hook's decision. <laughs> like, never use this again.
0: Oh, to say, like, never use this as, as a keyword inside yeah, of Yeah, this keyword... Okay
1: i'm like you win that's a, a positive <laughs> yeah i mean okay maybe that's a
0: motivation i i could see that like it's it's sort of like trying to eliminate a source of known like foot guns from javascript by maybe introducing other foot guns like well, like maybe maybe the other foot guns are more linter friendly or something um yeah, maybe. i don't know i mean but then again i i don't know i guess i always well okay Guess I had never tried writing a class component with ES6 arrow functions because I was always either doing vanilla JavaScript with the old school like write out the word function or else coffee script, which was compiling to that anyway. And I guess had totally. its own rules around this.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just var self equals this everywhere. Just yeah. as much as humanly possible.
0: I'm just trying yeah. to remember like when was the last time I actually Oh, okay. I actually know when that was. I, I did write some vanilla JavaScript for um I had this this tiny little like 20 line JavaScript function on the, um on the docs page for rock, which I was like, I could use Elm for this, but that's overkill. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, and I think there might've been a of this can, in there could somewhere. Could a
1: restraint. <laughs> could yeah. use a restraint on that one.
0: Right. Well, I mean, well, you know, they're, they're tools, right? Like you said, like you wouldn't use Elm, Elmland for like to develop like a static website. That's not what it's for. Like I, you know, I don't feel the need to use Elm for absolutely everything just because I love it.
1: hundred <laughs> percent. I feel like, yeah, like, I don't like, so I never got into React uh, just because uh, the Vue.js guide in twenty fifteen was so good. It was so really? beginner friendly and so nice. Like, I got completely hooked into the ecosystem. That's all. Awesome. I don't know if I don't know if tricked is the right word, but I uh, persuaded uh, one of my coworkers. We're like, we're good friends now. Shout out to shout out to Alex out there. But I, I, he was running a project at work, and I was like, hey, you want to try out Vue? And we just like hung out after work and he just had such a smooth learning experience that like we just used it on the project. And then eventually the whole company was like, hey, this is like really easy to work with. Do you, I mean, do you remember back, back when uh, React and Angular were like the things, it was like you had Google versus Facebook and the whole idea of like some guy named Evan, you know, coming out of nowhere with Vue.js, you know, it's like, how is that supposed to compete?
0: Yeah, I do remember that. Because before React, it was like Angular and like Knockout JS and Backbone JS and jQuery. were kind of like the before, I guess there was also like a I think Sprout Core, which later turned into Ember. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so there there were quite a few sort of like contenders all used in varying amounts. And then at some point, yeah, it, it felt like it was like React versus Angular as two the sort of the two like juggernauts. Yeah. Um, And then, as I recall, I mean, you would know better than I would, but I think I was talking to Lindsay Wardell um, many episodes ago about Vue, and she was saying that, if I remember right, it was sort of somewhat of the pitch for Vue was it felt like the old school, like angular one, but kind of like done better. Whereas like Angular 2 kind of went off in this totally different direction and really felt like a different thing. Vue was more like, yeah, you know, like two-way data binding is fine. We're going to try to make that as nice and user experience as possible and introduce some other quality of life improvements on top of that without changing the sort of fundamental idea there. Does that yeah. sound right?
1: No, that's 100% right. And that was how we got started with it because you just drop a script tag on the page and you're that was it. There was no JSX, there was no webpack. Like These are all scary things to us when we're like coming from a web agency that's doing a bunch of jQuery everywhere. Mostly, you know, static sites, but we need to have an accordion. We need to have, you know, a a carousel or something.
0: So that's interesting that, you know, in, in a similar way to how like you got into Elm and then were inspired to like try to make a really smooth onboarding experience. It sounds like that's the way you got into Vue as well is like this really nice onboarding experience for a
1: beginner. Totally. And I will always like, there will always be a special place in my heart for the Vue community because it's a reminder that, first of all, the Evan similarity it can't be a coincidence. Yeah, they're, right? they're right.
0: <laughs> both both created by a person named Evan. Yeah, have we ever seen them in the same room together? Mm. I've actually met both of them. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't. Don't no spoilers, Richard. I don't know. Uh, but no, like it was—it was a reminder that like the same kind of at the time they felt silly to me, where people were like, "Oh, Vue JS is never going to be popular. It's just one guy. What if he get?" And this is when people started telling me about getting hit by a bus. Oh yeah, and I'm like, "What are you talking? Like he, he die? Like he gets murdered? Like what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I hope not. But yeah, people are like, oh, you know, like Facebook and Google, like that's the that's the only way. And then you see, you know, Evan Yu trailblazer yeah uh, goes out and he he makes something that you know at one point it was like react versus view that was the thing and everyone's like oh forget angular and like i, I mean i don't want to say it was just evan you i know the the view community and particularly i'm blanking on his name the guy that wrote the docs that like that really championed it for me but yeah like just the idea that that argument didn't really hold much weight it's like yeah if you do a really good job if you make the onboarding experience really nice and you help people visualize like, oh yeah, this is how I can use it. Like, oh, I can build a real thing. You can, you can make like a, a really nice to use library that a lot of people will love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, um, going back to the bus factor thing. I remember, uh, (laughs) Evan Chaplicki talking about this. I think this is one of his like Elm conference talks. Um,
1: yeah. Like Elm Europe or something. Yeah. Like
0: he was saying something along the lines of like, you know, people will come up to me and they'll say like, Evan, what happens if you get hit by a bus? And he's like, "Well, first, I think my mom will be really sad. You know, that'll be very upsetting." <laughs> like, yeah. it's like let's 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 take a step back here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, who cares about your web app, guy? <laughs> like, die. Yeah,
0: it's like a, it's a really uh, weird thing to say to someone. Like, I understand you know why people like I understand where it comes from, and like uh, I actually was was <laughs> I was giving a presentation. I was, I was like pitching some investors on a startup. This is many many years ago. Um and i was the founder of the company and and someone like who was you know listening to the pitch one of the questions was he's like all right so imagine he just got really vivid with it he was like imagine you're walking across the tree the street and a beer truck just comes screaming out of left field and just plows into you and you're dead what happens to the company (laughs) yeah it's like i sure this is like calculated to just try and you know maximally rattle you and just see if you see if you could yeah. like give a good answer under pressure or whatever like of course i was prepared for that you know category of question but i was not prepared for the <laughs> that that just that very uh vivid description of my untimely demise but yeah it's, it's it's a weird thing that like you know it's like one thing if you're talking about it as someone else you know like behind their back which is not great either but at least you're not like saying hey if you die like, what's what happens to me? You know, like, am, am I am I going to be OK if you die? Like, it's a weird thing to say to a person. It's
1: silly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a part of the uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who f- first started saying that, but it's it's one of the hilarious things to me. I feel like if you get hit by a beer truck, it's like. The only right answer is like, I guess, free beer for the company. We're just going to, I'll my lawyer will take care of it. there will be cakes oh, in the office. It'll be great. Oh. You know, unlimited supply.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, that does, that does kind of get into this whole, like, you know, sort of like the the mindset around like, you know, open source stuff, right. Is like my favorite talk of Evan Chaplicki's is actually like the hard parts about open source from Strange Loop, uh, however many years ago that was pre-pandemic, you yeah. know, it's in the before times. Uh,
1: <laughs> before times.
0: and. And what I love about that talk is just that 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 topic. I mean, oftentimes people will talk about like quote unquote maintainer burnout and they'll talk about how like, well, you know, sometimes people get too into their thing and they spend too much time on it and then they just burn out and they want to go do other stuff, but I I really wish that people would spend more time talking about the that like the causal relationship there and like the the fact that a lot of times it's not so much that people are you know, burning out because they've spent so much time on the code, and that they're like, "Oh, I spent so put so many hours into this code, and and now I'm feeling burned out, and wish that I'd spent more time going on a walk or something like that." It's it's usually that's the energizing part. Is is the like is the building a thing that people like? And it's it's really more that like the negative interactions, even if they're like you know the ratio of negative to positive interactions is like one to a hundred, the negative ones <laughs> just just really hurt. And like, and it's not even yeah. just like when people are like, you know, being jerks to you online. In, in some cases, it's like, it's not so much that they're being a jerk or being mean or like being hurtful or anything. It's just that like, they're putting these expectations on you that it's not really like how you want to be spending your life. You know, it's like someone's someone's saying to you, like, you know, hey, if you get killed, what happens? You know, am I going to be okay? And (laughs) it's not so much that I'm like, oh, suddenly I'm pondering my own mortality. And that's that's hard for me. But rather, it's like I want to go build a thing. I don't want to be thinking about if I die, like what happens to you? Person who uses the thing that I built and then gave away to you for free. (laughs) That's just like a a, a stressful like, you know, interaction. And at the same time, I get where, where they're coming from. Like that is. A responsible part of planning is it's like if i'm going to adopt this technology i do want to think about what happens in the possible eventuality that this person not necessarily gets killed but like you know stops deciding they want to work on it and and, and decides they want totally. to go you know live on a farm and and not program anymore or or just work move, move on to a different programming project so i get where it's coming from but at the same time we got to figure out some way to like you know Talk about these things in a way that's like less stressful for maintainers, because I think where maintainer stress and burnout actually comes from relative to where the popular narrative of where it comes from are are like two totally different things.
1: Yeah, I think Evan said something about like free, was it? He said something like free rice doesn't mean free labor or something along those lines where it's like, because I gave you this, that doesn't mean I work for you forever. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I made a free thing. Um, You can use it you know, I'd love it if you did tell me how it goes, but like, I'm not, you know, I can't be uh, working at a thousand startups. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing I do for free for Elmland. I had the, this initial like hello world post. And I, I, (laughs) the first draft of it, I guess I'll share that with the internet. The first draft of it, I had something in there, like, Hey, like I had, I had, you know, the hard parts open source in mind where I'm like, Hey, you know, like I'm making this for free on nights and weekends. Like, please don't like like harass anyone that works on the project because like I want people to have a good time contributing and I don't want people to get harassed. And then like the next sentence was like, if you'd like to work on the project, and I'm like, <laughs> the editing there made no sense. I'm like, It's miserable. People will torture you. Hey, do you want like, right, to like try right. to do it? <laughs> and so I edited it to something else, which is more along the lines of like, hey, if you're going to help me on this project, like I've got your back. Like you're gonna come in here, people are gonna start yelling at you online. I have no tolerance for yeah. that. I'll 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 be there, I'll defend you. So if that sounds like, you know, a project you're interested in. There
0: was a there was a past episode with Andrew Kelly who of this podcast who made Zig and uh and his his stance on this was basically like, you know, if someone starts being a jerk in like GitHub issues, he's like, I'm I want my issues to be this beautiful garden of things that are helping us make Zig. And if someone is going to come in and like, you know, make a mess there, that is a weed and I will pluck it out of the garden. You are banned. <laughs> like, that's it. it. Zero I tolerance. It. Like, and you know, I mean, I, I get that. I, I don't know if I have the guts to adopt that policy. I, I kind of like, you know, it, it definitely sounds enticing because yeah. yeah, like at the end of the day, like it's hard enough to make a, a nice thing and like, you know, should we really be as maintainers and, and you know, creators of of things that we give away for free? Should we really also be in the business of trying to, you know, accommodate and like treat with kid govs, people who are just coming in and basically just like having a very negative interaction, like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe not. Like, even though that's like kind of goes yeah. against my personality, like what, what I feel I want to do, where I want to try and like help them express themselves more constructively. It's like, I don't know, should I, should I oh, be literally. spending my time on that or should I be spending my time on other things?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also, I have that share that attention uh, of like wanting to be really nice and make sure that everyone, you know, has these heard. And then at the same time being like, you're not going to change an adult's mind on stuff. But, like they grew up, they're just, they decided they're going to be like this and like, forget it. Like, I can't.
0: To be fair, I have seen some cases online, like even on like Hacker News where, you know, someone responds to some, like someone posts something like, you know, kind of nasty and, and mean spirited and whatnot. And, you there is like kind of an underlying question there and the person will respond to the question. And then also saying like, by the way, like you didn't need to be so mean about that. And you know, sometimes the person will just keep going on it and being a jerk about it. But I have seen some cases where mm-hmm. the person will respond and say like, ah, sorry, I like kind of had like a you know rough day or a rough week or whatever. And like, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry I came off that way, but anyway, and then they just like continue the conversation like normal people. But, Having said that, again, there's this question of like, that's that's kind of the exception rather than the rule and things like that. It's it's usually more like the person keeps being a jerk or just like doesn't engage again. Um, and it's like, if you add up all the time that you spend trying to accommodate people who, you know, that's the first impression that they make, was it worth it? Or should you have spent all that time like building the thing for the people who aren't going to be jerks even once, you know, because yeah. there, that is zero sum. Like you have, you got this time, you're going to spend it on one or the other it's yeah it's a tough question
1: yeah i definitely i definitely think like especially when it's like a hostile comment it's always good to start with just like hey it's kind of like reset the tone a little bit being like oh it sounds like your problem is this i love i love when people reply like that or they're just like sounds like you're frustrated by this uh you know this hurt my feelings or whatever you say however you yeah, say yeah it. and then yeah if they want to keep being like that great that's a perfect i did it i tried sorry if we don't talk like that in this community goodbye like that kind of
0: And like, I I definitely I've done that plenty of times in my life, but it always takes me a lot longer. First of all, I have to like calm down because like when I read it, it's like my, my first reaction is not like, oh, I know what I will say in response to this person. It's like, "Ah, ah, ah, okay, okay. okay, Calm down, calm down, calm down. Don't write a reply yet. Just, just gotta, you know, remember, remember that it's going to be better if you, you know, like respond nicely rather than like, you know, saying what's actually on your mind in response to this. I've definitely done the like you know write write the reply that's in my head and then delete it and then write something nicer because that's like what i want to see more of in the world um but again yeah it's like i don't know should i maybe i should just you know go go build something for people who are nice the first time there's also an element of like (laughs) no it's it's one thing if somebody's already sort of like a, a known member like a known participant like if someone like files a couple of bugs and like one time you know they're like they say something mean it's like okay I know based on this past pattern of experience that this person is capable of being nice and interacting. In fact, this seems to be an aberration. Like normally they are pretty, you know, like a good participant. I think it's totally reasonable in that case to be like, okay, you know, hey, what are you doing? Just like be nice. (laughs) In that case, I'm like, well, I feel more justified in spending the time on that because this person's a known quantity. I want them to continue participating. And like, you know, it seems like there's a higher chance, higher percentage chance that like over the long term, they're going to be a productive and helpful contributor. And when I say contributor, I don't necessarily mean contributing code or documentation that could just be filing issues. Like issues are a valuable way to contribute to a project. Um, As long as like Andrew Kelly says, you know, they're like contributing to like a beautiful garden and not just being like this stupid thing broke and sucks, you know, like that's not a helpful (laughs) issue. Like, (laughs) um, but yeah, Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's tricky to balance these things.
1: I feel like the Elm community is still in its early days and like the, one of the things that would really rub me the wrong way. And this isn't, this isn't really common in the, the Elm Slack. I don't see this very often, but every now and then when I did see it, I'd get kind of like, I get frustrated, I guess. Cause like, I'm someone that wants Elm to, you know, be a nice uh, option for people and I want it to grow in popularity. So there's more cool projects, people are sharing stuff. Every now and then there'd be a thread where someone was like, "Oh, like look at this, like this React thing, like LOL." Like, oh you know yeah, I mean? it's like talk down about something, and I do not like being in a space where people are comparing things and also like not not making stuff. You know what I mean? Like I want, like the I made an Elmland Discord, and I'm like, I really want to focus on like share cool stuff you're making. Like, don't talk to me about uh, your preferences on like syntax or like. How this is dumb, and you know, Elm is perfect. Like, I don't want to be a part of that uh, evangelistic kind of club. Sometimes that's
0: a that's another great point is that like different spaces are for different things. Like, you might say like Hey, if you want to go talk about React features you don't like, go on a podcast. You know, <laughs> like there's plenty of ways you can do that <laughs> totally. that aren't like this exact Discord because what this Discord is for is this. Yeah. Similarly, I, I think there's you know there's a difference between like github issues as a space and like discord or reddit or you know hacker news or whatever else like on on github issues the point of it like the main point of that is to coordinate between people who are trying to improve the thing and you know if you want to like open an issue that says like i don't like this design decision that's probably not the right place to do it like if you want to talk about a design decision like there's other places you can talk about that but like this is for like tracking like know issues or or maybe like you know feature requests and i can see honestly an argument that like feature requests on github issues are are not a good place for that you know in general (laughs) Um, or even for tracking features that are planned but not going to be implemented maybe it's best to just actually only talk about issues there but yeah like you're like you're saying it's you know it's different spaces it's okay to have different spaces for different things
1: totally and like i think a big thing is like also like not I'm like I'm not putting a moral judgment on comparing programming language characteristics. It's I don't think it's like bad. It's like I just want a safe space I can go to, where I I know I'll be there. And when people are talking, it's like helping out beginners and you right. know sharing projects. And I I would love a bubble like that just for. And back to the mental health of open source, you know, <laughs> contributors. It's like that's where I want to hang out. I want to want to be in that little uh, happy rainbow <laughs> in my Discord.
0: <laughs> yeah. nice yeah i think uh i mean culturally it seems like the usual way that people talk about that is just saying like hey this is off topic right that's like unfortunately that's like a a pretty straightforward way that you can like respond to somebody and say that but unfortunately the culture around like github issues and other things and like dynamics between open source authors and open source users is such that there isn't like a quick canned response like that that you can give to be like hey like Mm -hmm. you're you know You just said is out of line. Like if you say, hey, that this is off topic, we're here's here's the topics that we want to talk about here. That's such an easy response to like get things back on on track. Like you don't have to say, like, hey, I don't want to hear about your, you know, React comparisons here. Like, take that somewhere else. Yeah. You can just say, hey, you know, this is like, this is an Elmland Discord. So like this this is off topic. It's it's a, you know, it doesn't take a lot of mental Mm -hmm. energy to like think up a specific response to try and, you know, (laughs) like uh I like get things back on track. And I wish there was something like that. Or like online topics where you could just say something concise where everybody knows what it means and everybody agrees that this is like how things ought to work to say like, hey, you know, this is out of line in one way or another. Maybe it's in terms of, you know, you're being a jerk about it, but it could also just be in terms of, like, hey, this is, like, you know, I, I understand that you, like, want to make a feature request, but, like, this is not the right place to do it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess in the case of feature requests, you know, you can have, like, some sort of template or, like, some copy-paste response that's, like, hey, feature requests, you know, go on this forum or, like, go, you know, start off in, in Slack or, or Zulip or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. Um but yeah.
1: Yeah. We've got a channel for it. There's like a suggest a feature channel and like people will spin up threads and, and it's nice way to contain it.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things I started on the rock, like we use Zulip for our chat was making a channel called ideas. And what I love about ideas is that it's, it's no pressure on anyone. It's like, anyone can talk about an idea they have. It doesn't mean that you're like requesting a feature. It's like, well, you just talk about an idea that you have. And like, maybe, you know, someone will see it and be like, Oh, that's a good idea. And maybe a bunch of people will see it and be like, Oh, this is a really good idea. We should, we should do this. And then maybe, you know, there becomes consensus that this might be a good idea, but also maybe not. And that's fine. Uh, but also it's not like, you know, I, I don't feel the need as someone in a position to potentially, you know, quote unquote, accept or reject your feature request. I don't feel any pressure to do that because it's like, well, this is just an idea that you're sharing. So like, I don't, need to say like, Hey, we're not going to do that. Nor do I need to say, Oh yes, we are going to do that. I can just let it sit there and like, think about it. And then, you know, maybe eventually we do it. Maybe eventually we don't, but, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking the name of the channel here, but, but like I I did, I did spend time thinking about that just because I I really kind of wanted to think about dynamic of how, of how that stuff happens. Cause yeah, I mean, like doing issue triage, like if it's a bug report, I love it because it's like, great. This is like, you know, maybe it can be improved with like whittling it down, like making it easier to reproduce. And like, maybe I have questions about like, what operating system were you running on and stuff? But like, that's, that's a very, there's like no stress in that interaction for me as, as an author. Like, I'm like, cool. So you found something that's, that's, you know, went wrong, which either a, maybe it's been reported before, in which case I can be like, cool. Now we have another way to reproduce this. Awesome. Or maybe it hasn't been reported before and now this is like something new that we know about that's like something we can fix and maybe other people won't get bitten by it in the future. Awesome. Like all of those are great, very like positive, like, you know, no stress interactions for me. I guess, okay, the one one exception to that would be someone posts a bug and it's like horrendously difficult to reproduce. I'm like, oh no, like this, this is happening, but, or, or actually another thing that's, that can be very stressful is it's like, this is clearly a bug but I don't know if it's a bug in code that I have any control over. It might be a bug in like interactions between code that I have control over and code that I have no control over. And I may not be able to like fix this problem without going to somebody else's issue tracker and being like, hey, in this very specific situation this thing interacts poorly with this. Can you fix it? <laughs> uh, Cause that, that can be a whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, but, but like I would contrast that with, you know Like other types of issues that are like a lot more stressful and, you know, more burnout causing for me as an author are things like, you know, Hey, why don't you add this? Like, you know, are you going to add this, you know, kind of like treating it like the issue tracker, like an AMA. And like, you know, I get, if someone's like, I'm not sure where to ask this, so I'm just going to open an issue. I understand why people do that, but I kind of wish they wouldn't. And just like, you know, just try to find another place to ask that. Like there's plenty of links to like, you know, Doolip.com scored whatever um, for like other places you can ask those types of questions uh, but oftentimes people don't use them and then it's like well i could just respond to your question but like i don't i don't really want this issue hanging out there and i also don't really want to set the precedent that this is a good place to ask these questions so uh, it would be nice if people would you know kind of use the issue tracker for the things that it's like purportedly for <laughs> use that space totally. for what it's good at
1: yeah i'd like to have a more like firm definition of uh, github issues on yeah Online. initially i just didn't have issues enabled on the project it was a new oh, project really? and i'm like what if i just turn off issues and then say hey we're on a an issue like come hop in the discord let me know about it interesting and i'm like that adds kind of friction for like the bugs, bugs. Yeah. and i was like i don't know maybe i want to know about the bugs but then i don't have to spend my energy you know with but my favorite type of bug is when someone thinks that there's a bug but my docs are just really bad <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Oh, perfect. Like that was confusing. Right. I can clarify that this. I can, yeah. I can make that nice. clear. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes there's a, there's a mix where it's like, yeah, that was unclear. And also I kind of like their, their expectation of what should have happened a little bit better.
0: There was a, there was a moment where I thought about like, wouldn't it be cool if I disabled issues? And I just said, if you have a bug, email me, just, just send me an email with the bug report. And then, you know, and, and where I kind of ended up on that is like, I don't really want to like email back and forth with people to like, do all this like you know, I, I don't want my inbox to become that but something that I did like about that as as an idea was that there's, there's another category of issues that we haven't talked about which is basically just like someone wants to make a public statement and like you know they want to it's not so much that they're like like they're kind of just venting on your issue tracker like they're like this mm-hmm. thing bothers me and I'm going to phrase it in the form of an issue or a bug that's like definitely a pet peeve of mine is when someone makes a feature <laughs> request and tags it as a bug like, they're just like, this mm. thing doesn't support X, which is a bug. It's like, no, like, it's either either we haven't gotten to it yet, or we actually don't think it's a good idea, but it's not a bug. Like, come on, you know it's not a bug. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, <laughs> you're just trying to, like, you know, dig in a little bit on us. And and so I feel like there's there's that sort of category of, like, someone, it reminds me of, it's like the issue tracker equivalent of, when you're in a conference talk and call on someone to ask a question, they're like, oh yeah, this is more of a comment than a question, but you know, like that, but for issue trackers, right? Um, That, -hmm. that definitely happens. And my feeling was if I made it this, like, don't have a public issue tracker, but just have a private email, then that just wouldn't happen because kind of the point of doing something like that on an issue tracker is that people will see it. Like that's, that's the whole point Mm -hmm. of it. And if you're just sending an email to someone then it's like, oh well, the only person who's going to see it is, you know, the person on the other side of this email, and I could just get that email and, you know, be like, just, 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 just make a sort of curt response, like, okay, got it, you know, or something like that. And, you know, it's, it's like a mm-hmm. private correspondence, I guess. I feel like the dynamic would change, but at the end of the day, I think the cons of that outweigh the pros. But, <laughs> but it was tempting for a second to think about.
1: Totally. Yeah, I feel like an email. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 tempting. I I just I don't know. I feel like a good perk of getting rid of the issues is you eliminate upfront kind of default assumptions that a user of the project might have about how you run the community. Mm. Because if I'm if I'm let's say in theory, let's say I'm making a, a framework for hypothetically Elm that's supposed to attract <laughs> hypothetically, completely <laughs> hypothetically, Mango framework for Elm, designed to be really nice for people coming from the JavaScript ecosystem. Uh, I am basically funneling a bunch of people with expectations of how JavaScript open source works. Yeah, true. So I have to be like, really like, not just in like the docs of like, hey, how do I use this coming from React? It's like, how do I think about like, opening issues and like, you know, all that stuff from coming from like React yeah. or, or Vue. And, and like that's like, I think that's the thing that I, I think about the most is like, how do I really make that experience nice and like, not accidentally become like a JavaScript open source maintainer and get. All the harassment that I that I've seen, you know, happen to JavaScript open source maintainers, and you know, even even Evan not doing
0: yeah. JavaScript. I mean, uh, like like in Evan's hard parts of open source talk, like I mean, he he kind of talked about how uh, there's this uh, relationship and like set of expectations that's kind of set up by the fact that for a lot of really big companies, the reason that they're doing certain things as open source is as a marketing opportunity. Like they're trying to. Build their brand. And so they will intentionally have people who are, you know, first of all, paid full time to do this type of stuff. And while they're paid full time to do it, part of what they're paid to do is to be nice to people and issue trackers to continue building that brand, no matter how much of a jerk they are. That's, you know, that's part of the expectation. And like, you know, your manager might. Give you lower evaluations if you you know sort of snap at someone on an issue tracker and be like, hey, you're not representing the company very well when you when you said this, even mm-hmm. if that's you know like felt and like wanted to do. Um, <laughs> that definitely you know makes sense from the company's perspective. I get why that would happen, but what that creates in terms of a community dynamic is one in which you know people learn that like if they can just hurl abuse at maintainers and like yeah, it seems like the average comment on a JavaScript Big JavaScript project issue tracker is just like way meaner and like just unacceptable mm-hmm. in my eyes than like what I see on like Elm or Zig or uh, you know a, a lot of smaller languages. Uh, and it's not just like because they get a lot more. I'm I'm talking about like the average, like the median. You know, if you, if you have like a, a meanness jerkiness scale, whatever, <laughs> like right right in the, right in the <laughs> middle, regardless of volume.
1: Much more hostile. <laughs> yeah,
0: and 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 it's and it seems like like Evan was saying that, you know, this is something that's perhaps unintentionally, but it is kind of cultivated. It's not just an accident. It's not just a coincidence. You know, it's something about the the dynamics of how a lot of these big projects are done that just sort of leads the incentives to, to <laughs> incentivize that behavior, or at least not to disincentivize it.
1: Yeah. It's just nice. Like in terms of motivation for this project, it's like, I just want to build Elm, L- maps. You know, like I'm making a, a thing that makes it so I can do it faster. It's like the constant thing where it's like, instead of building the the app, you make the framework to build the app, you know, to make the whatever. But uh, it, there's no like financial alignment there. So it's it's kind of refreshing when I I do that, you know, weird tension, that weird conflict. It's like, it's not a big deal. Like if you don't want to use it, like I don't, what's great is I don't want React to be less popular. I don't want Vue. So there's like no a reason for me to be rude to anyone yeah. there's no reason for right. me to compete you know in air quotes it's like i'm not competing with anyone everyone can use anything here's another option here's why you might like it i want to kind of share totally.
0: it. i love that and i think that's like that's the community like sort of vibe i want to see in the world it's just people are like hey here's a cool thing i like this cool thing i want to use it and if you want to use a different thing that's cool Enjoy your other thing, you know, mm-hmm. like these are not mutually exclusive. They're all, it's, it's all good. If, as long as people are happy with what they're using. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Wow. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, anything else we should talk about before we wrap up?
1: No, I, th- I think that's pretty much it. If you, yeah. If you want to check out Elmland, join.elmland. I mean, look at that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. We Yeah, awesome.
0: Elm.land is the URL. <laughs> Very yeah, simple. Yeah. It's pretty
1: sick. Yeah, I I do enjoy how easy it is to type. Uh, But yeah.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Um,
1: That's been a lot of fun, Richard. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah,
0: thanks for joining, Ryan. Really appreciate it.